everyone, and welcome to New Matter, the SLAS podcast where we interview life science luminaries. I'm your host, Vicki Luisi, CEO for SLAS. And today I'm talking with Jan Lichtenberg, who is one of our newly elected board members. And Jan will begin his term on the board in January. Welcome, Jan. Hey, thanks very much, Vicki, for having me. Well, it's great to have you here and it's great to talk with you. Okay, so to start us off, we're going to go with our typical SLAS challenge of describing your day-to-day work or company in 10 words or less. So my day-to-day work, I'm a cheerleader for Insphero. Um, uh, My job is to keep the company growing and keep uh, our folks exciting. And that's what I do every day. And I love it. That's great. Um, okay, I'm going to give you a few more. You can use more than 10 words now. Why don't you tell <laughs> us a little bit more about Inspiro and your work there? At Inspiro, we are dedicated uh, to improving drug discovery and, and safety activities in, in the biotech and uh, pharma world. Uh, we do this by creating 3D microtissues that reflect specific uh, pathologies in vitro so that you can run human-based and patient-centric uh, screening and, uh, and discovery campaigns in your lab. And we partner with pharmaceutical companies worldwide, especially in the areas of liver safety, uh, liver diseases like NASH, uh, non-alcoholic uh, steatohepatitis, or type 1, type 2 diabetes in the, in the eyelid field. Wow, that's great. What led you into science, Jan? So I, I kind of was a science and engineering uh, guy since I, I was a small kid, I started to build technical models with construction kits. I made little volcanoes using copper sulfate uh, to make the, the flames colorful to very often not the liking of my parents because there were some accidents that needed certain repairs in the kitchen and elsewhere. But that was always kind of my thing. And um, over the time, then I still, as being uh, like a high school student, I turned this into an interest in understanding scientific principles. It was the time of the PCs coming up in the in the late 80s, early 90s. Taught myself programming. But I always wanted to take the technology and turn it into a business somehow because it was not so much about the money at this point, but I was super excited when somebody else was interested in, in using what I had developed, whether it was a little piece of code or software or uh, maybe a little apparatus that I built in school and who was interested in using that for their life. And that, I think, was and still is a very important driving force for me. Mm. I can only imagine the stories your mother must tell about what you, what you did to her kitchen back when you were a small child. I'm sure now they're fun memories, but maybe not so much when you were a little boy. You have a really interesting career trajectory. So tell me how you came to choose where you are today in your career. Mm-hmm. So I swayed a bit between chemistry and, and microtechnology engineering when I when I entered university and finally decided to go with the engineering path. So I'm a bit of a legal alien in, in our company because I'm not a pharmacologist, I'm not a biologist, but I'm, I'm really a microtechnology engineer. So microchips Microfluidics, that's, that's kind of my thing. This is what I did for my, my university education and also my PhD, where I moved from Germany to Switzerland at the time. I had my first startup company during that time, which I created with a business partner during, still during the university days in the semiconductor technology field. And I had a chance to sell my stake in, in the company 
during my postdoc at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. And then I always wanted to restart a company at a later stage, but decided to first move into industry to learn a bit more about how industry actually works, right? I uh, worked as um, as a VP of, uh, of R&D in, in an electronics company and then as a VP of R&D in product management in a medical device company. And that was a huge learning experience for me. I did this for five, six years, I learned how to hire people, how to structure teams, how to develop processes, how to solve conflicts, which is part of our daily life. And then in, in 2009, I had the chance with two friends to start in Sphero, quit my job in the midst of the financial crisis, and we we started to do fundraising for for Insphero. And everybody said it was a stupid idea, which probably it was, but it worked out really well for us after that. And so this this combination, I think, or this working at the boundaries between pharmacology, biology, medicine, but then also automation, um, bioinformatics. Uh, microtechnology injection molding that's what what's so super exciting for what we do and i think this is also a reason why Insphere is so good at this because we are so interdisciplinary in the way how we work mm-hmm. so a couple of things you said i wanted to ask a little more about when you were working as a vice president in the device company and learning those those more business skills, you know, how to solve conflict, how to manage people, how to mentor people. Was there a particular mentor, someone in particular who really kind of helped you to do that, to understand that? You know, it's something we hear quite a bit from our members. Mm-hmm. That that's a skill set that they feel like um, is a gap for them. They, you know, they have their science area mastered, but making that transition into a manager in science can be challenging. What would you tell folks that they need to focus on or, or some of the tips you would give them on on making that transition? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And actually picking a good mentor, in, in my opinion, is is probably one of the, the crucial moments in, in everybody's career, right? If you have a good mentor or mentors that can help you navigate your career, navigate business, navigate science, uh, this is this is the best thing that that can happen to you, right? And it also means opening up. It means to actively choose that mentor. And it's something that uh, I think very few people do, but I think that's that's super important. And I had the chance in, in, in the company that I worked before, it was kind of a similar setup as, as we are now. I think eight, nine years old, a startup company, very much driven and inspired by uh, by the founder and CEO, um, and uh, who, who I reported to, and the energy, the uh, broad knowledge, um, the quick thinking, the analytics that um, that uh, Gary brought to the table, I think that was very inspiring for me and helped me also to see where I have my gaps and where I need to improve myself. And there were some things that I clearly didn't like about the way how he did certain things. And now being in that same position, I see that I do the same things in the same way and I have a very, very different understanding of the situation that he was in at the time, being in, in having the perspective that, that I have now. But so I think this openness is, is really super important and especially looking at this from a scientific and technological perspective. I think we sometimes disregard the importance of communication, the importance of project management, the importance of you know certain business skills that are required to be successful 
independent of whether you want to lead a team or lead a company or just, you know, run projects. Uh, but I think this becomes more and more a requirement and an expectation that companies have, employers have when, when they look at their staff, that, uh, you know, they're not living in silos, but they are capable of building interdisciplinary networks, interdisciplinary thinking, and also do this from a communication perspective in, in a professional way. Yeah. Most definitely. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, tell me what do you think your most exciting moment or professional accomplishment has been in your career? So, well, starting a startup is is a roller coaster, right? So you always have yeah. these high <laughs> points, and then you have a low point that comes right after that. But that's also what you know keeps your stomach uh, turning and rolling, and why it's so much fun. But we had a lot of super exciting lab moments at uh, at Insphero. I think for me, one, and this is maybe five years ago, it was the first time that we were involved in, a, uh, in an investigative toxicology project. So a company, drug company came to us and they had a really great anti-inflammatory drug, which was kicked out of phase, phase one because um, the healthy volunteers had elevated liver enzymes when treated with, with this compound. And a company came to us and said, we don't understand what's going on. Can you help us elucidating what's happening here? Help us save this compound. And um, this was the first time that we, um, as a small startup company, were really sitting in the same boat, rowing into the same direction with, with a large pharmaceutical company. And we were able to understand and discover the root cause why this compound caused the problem. It was actually a production issue that they had when creating larger amounts of this API. And we were helping to have it resubmitted to the authorities. And then the next clinical phase one went through uh, smoothly. So this was for us an important moment in terms of our self-confidence because we we really saw how we can contribute to make things happen and to bring mm-hmm. better drugs to, to, to the people. And we've extended this, and this would be kind of my second highlight very recently because we are now... We have a size and we have, I think, a level of competence uh, at Insphero that allows us to also start looking for our own drug assets. And uh, we've started this uh, this year to see how we can use our technology to not only help companies to be better at drug discovery, but also run, run our own projects. And uh, we've developed a very um, promising asset in, in the diabetes space, which we are currently investigating more we've patented it for us this is all kind of totally new ground but it's it's amazing because it also helps us to to walk in our customers shoes so uh, very exciting year for us yeah it sounds like it and i love that expression you had of rowing in the same boat with a pharmaceutical company you know i think that's something that so many small to mid-sized companies in our space aspire to do and want to do mm-hmm. and certainly it can seem a bit intimidating but you know once you once you find that partnership and and find the significant contribution your company can make um, as you said that just completely changes the dynamic of a small company definitely and it's about this transition from you know what is the technology that we have what are the benefits of this technology what the specifications to what is the value that we actually bring to the other side right and the other side could also be an academic group but it's really about thinking in terms of the value that you can bring to the table right when when we went through an exercise with our company about the vision that that we have for Insphero and the kind of business coach that we had said 
you know, your vision should be something that you you believe in, that you want to see accomplished. And at the end of the day, it could be accomplished by somebody else and you're still happy that it was accomplished because you believe that it's it's good for the society as, as a whole. And, and I think this is something that we subscribe very much, right? Um, helping companies to discover new drugs and to have safer drugs that go into the clinic, helping companies to address diseases that are still posing an unmet need because there, there is no therapy for these specific illnesses. This is something that I think we all as a company share as, as our joint vision. That's where we want to help contribute to the best of our, of our abilities. And if we, if we can make this happen, then kind of we've done our thing. And if we've inspired others to do this, this is kind of equally well, because at the end of the day, it's about getting these therapies on the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about SLAS and what are you look most looking forward to when you join the SLAS board of directors? So I already mentioned we're 10 years old as a company, but we still uh, feel um, being a startup. SLAS or uh, its precursor at the time was the first conference that we attended, uh, the first exhibition that we've um, where we've presented in Sphero was SLAS, and it was. I think for us, really a, a defining moment when we presented ourselves to industry partners, to companies, to other suppliers, automation companies that we wanted to work with. And uh, it, it was just a great moment to be in this exhibition hall, to feel the energy, to have all these conversations and um, collect the business cards to the follow-up. So I believe that SLAS is great for for startups and I want to be a voice for startups within SLAS. I also believe that startups are great for for SLAS because they bring new groundbreaking technologies to the attention of of the attendees. And so this is, um, is something that I want to drive and want to push forward, make it more accessible to startups, helping them to benefit to the maximum and helping them to to kind of distribute the message um, to, to the attendees. A second aspect, me being um, uh, living in Switzerland and operating from Switzerland, is um, to help with the geographic expansion of uh, of SLAS. Lab automation is is an international activity, whether it's on the academic side or in, in industrial use. A lot of the players in the field are international, right? Uh, most mm-hmm. of uh, the big. Uh, pharmaceutical companies in Switzerland have more researchers outside Switzerland than inside Switzerland. So if you want to reach out and to bring your technology into the market, if you want to see it used for good science, then this happens on an international level. And I think uh, I can bring a bit more of the European perspective to to SLAS and help SLAS uh, grow as an organization within uh, Europe. And I think what drives me and where why I why I'm so uh, was so so happy and honored to be um, part of SLAS is is the interdisciplinarity of of our domain. It's a very fast moving domain. Uh, our knowledge has a fairly short half life, I would say. So we need to learn continuously, and we need to learn outside our comfort zone to to be able to understand what's what's happening and how you bring the best parts of. The different disciplines together, and and I think SLAS is a prime example for a platform where you can do that. 
Yeah. And I know I'm so excited to have you join the board now. We have been making some significant investments in our programs for startup companies, specifically with expanding Innovation Avenue. And we're going to be adding benefits to Innovation Avenue winners next year. So you coming on board at this point in time is really, really timely and exciting for all of us. And I think you're going to provide us with some great insight as we continue to expand and develop those programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be happy so, to do that. Yeah. What tips do you have for younger generations of scientists? So especially in our domain, I think what, what always worked for us and what kind of is the foundation of this success at Insphero, but also in my previous roles was um, to combine cutting-edge biology with cutting-edge technology. I think very often we kind of live in our silo and we're trying to improve, let's say, cell culture protocols to achieve a certain phenotype that we want to create. But we're doing this purely on our own turf by optimizing medium compositions and so on. But there might be a technology out there, an instrument, um, there might be data analysis algorithms, which can help us to make that big leap forward that we're actually looking for. And so thinking out of the box and combining the best knowledge that you have in your domain with the best tools that you find out there uh, that's typically where the magic happens. Uh, and and we've seen this um, across the different domains in, in life science, um, also in my, my previous role in, in medical devices. It was when we brought together the knowledge of uh, rehabilitation therapists and doctors uh, in the hospital with our technological expertise, and then combining the two things we were able to achieve something that was much bigger than any of us could have achieved on his or her own. And so to be able to do that, I think we need to continue to learn, right? We finish university, we have our PhD, we've completed postdoc studies, but learning is a lifelong process, especially in our domain. And we need to allocate time to this. We need to allocate energy to this. We need to make this a priority in our daily life, whether we are in academia or we are in industry, but we need to continue to learn and we need to expand our comfort zone. We need to put our toe into cold water when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning. How does it work? How can I use this? How can I talk to people that are experts in the field? How can I build a communication channel where they understand what I do and I understand what they do? I think this is this is really important, and that allows us to not live in in, in silos, but uh, see us as as scientists, you know, a little bit towards it, or in in the in the image of the scientists in the in the old ages, they were universal scientists, right? They were good at mechanics and good at mathematics and good at astronomy and and good at biology. This is is something that I think sometimes we forgot a little bit, and we specialized too heavily in in a specific domain and uh, taking a step back and making sure that the contact points to to the other domains are there and we we manage them. I think that's that's very important. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so my last question for you today as we wrap up this podcast, who are you most excited to meet and network within SLAS? So I've, I've been at SLAS conferences 
for for the past 10 years and i think what i what i always liked was meeting people from different domains that have different problems and learning how they solve the problems and that always you know on the plane home i think this was always for me the the biggest uh, kind of intellectual food that i had uh, seeing how other people solve the issues there and then helping me to understand that i might actually have an issue that i haven't really seen yet and um, or that they have found a solution that I could apply to what I do as well. And this can be business, this can be science, this can be uh, research, it can be on the development side. So the interaction with people from different domains, I think, was always super exciting. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to have this again in, in, in the near future. And in the, in the meantime, I think we can achieve this on a digital platform. And for me, it's always been a great privilege to interact with people from different backgrounds on an intellectual level, but also on the cultural level. I think this is, is something that there are only very few people that can call this their daily work to have this kind of international network. And that's what, what I, I like most about SLAS. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting and interacting with our members face-to-face again sometime soon. I'm confident we're going to get back to that place Mm -hmm. um, sometime very soon. So thank you, Jan. Thank you so much for joining New Matter today and talking with me. It's really been a pleasure. And congratulations on being elected to the Board of Directors. We're looking forward to having you. Thanks very much, Wiki, and looking forward to work in that capacity for the next years. Great. Well, that wraps it up for us for today, folks. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.